Friday. Oh my God. Happy Friday, beautiful people. Y'all made it. We made it. We all walking into Friday together. Welcome to Love Babs, Love Talk on by Babs Rolls Ivy. Uh, it's been a Friday. Uh, I got the Lieutenant Governor coming up in about 15 minutes. She's coming in on 9.15. So she's going to be with me for a hot 15 minutes. She's going to come and talk about the uh, the Lieutenant Governors of 22 states uh, and territories uh, created a coalition to protect reproductive freedom. They're not playing. <laughs> Y'all. Yeah, this is this is what I'm not one of your little friends look like. <laughs> these 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 uh lieutenant governors are not playing and they are and they're doing all they can to ensure that women have access um uh to uh the health care that they need. So she's gonna come on and talk about how this came about, why it's necessary. Uh so she'll be on at 9:15. She'll only be with me for 15 minutes. Normally I usually have her for a long time, but she is taking this message far and wide and uh I just happen to be one of the stops on the far and wide. So I am I'm very happy uh that I get to talk to her. Um so let me tell you the states. Arizona, uh uh California, Connecticut, Colorado, Delaware, Guam, Hawaii, Illinois, uh, the president of the Maine Senate, uh, Troy Jackson, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, uh, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, and Wisconsin. So they are they are going to be about it. Let me tell you what our governor said. Our governor is not playing because, you know, we already have this codified, but a lot of states don't. And uh, and they're working to do that. And they're working to make sure uh, that they. Uh, that they do right by women. This is really what this is. Do right by women. And uh, and and when women are done right by men benefit. <laughs> Although I did hear uh, uh, I, I did hear in the news uh, that. Uh, Vasectomies are on the rise uh, because men are men are waking up. They're like, "Ooh, I can't get caught out there. <laughs> I can't get caught out there." So, so our governor, our lieutenant governor, said this is an important moment. Overturning Roe v. Wade was only the beginning, and as we as we await a decision from a federal court in Texas targeting the most commonly used method of abortion care. The need for states to stand firm with our patients and providers is clear. He is absolutely right. So she's going to come on at 9.15 and a hard stop at 9.30 to just talk about what this means and how this came about. Now, like, I would have loved to have been on that call, right? Somebody circulate, like, listen, let's get the lieutenant governors on this. Uh, You know, let's get them involved. Get them... uh, activated around this issue and uh 22 of them so dare say the other rest of the country i don't know what they up to i don't i don't know so i'll ask that question just like just 22 are more joining or you know is it politically uh uh hard for them to 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 join in or something anyway so yesterday i was at the uh opening symposium Symposium for Facing uh, Life, the uh, the symposium put on by 
the uh, Justice, the Race and Justice Center at Yale and the law school, and uh, Jerome Betts' um, uh, uh, organization, uh, Read, and uh, uh, Freedom Reads. And so uh, they, I got yesterday to spend the afternoon with uh, some of the folks from the Visiting Room Project. And if you've not had a chance to go to the Visiting Room Project, please just find them on the on the internet. Uh, they have a whole website, Visiting Room. I think it's visitingroom.org, visitingroom.com. And uh, you will be quite moved. So anyway, some of the some of the men that were a part of the 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 the, the piece, the visiting room project, were in the space last yesterday. They came into town yesterday. Um, so they could be part of the symposium yesterday and today. And I was so moved. Like I, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm still moved by things. Uh, I'm glad that I'm not jaded and hard into things because uh, I was so I was near tears. I was sitting next to Barbara Fair last night and we were watching the video and I just thought, what in God's name? Um, and, you know, if I and if if I've never was sure that I wanted to be an attorney in this moment, in this moment, I, I that that video solidified it for me. You know, I, I think we just need people on the ground to just good men of women of conscience and the ability to wade through uh, and get through uh, the ELSA and law school so that you could be. Now, by the time I finish, uh, I, I turn 60. By the time I finish, I'll be 63, right? That's more than enough time. <laughs> it's going to be a hard ass road, but I think there's more than enough time to sort of see this through. Uh, and I, I was just so moved by, I was just so moved by just the moment. And uh, so more of the symposium is starting now, this morning, uh, and we'll go on into the night. So I'm going to catch the, the latter part of the day because I won't be able to get over there in the morning because uh, I've got Lieutenant Governor Bicewitz coming on in a few minutes. And my dear friend and great love, Patty Russo from the campaign school at Yale, um, as they are gearing up to train more women to run for, well, people, to train more people of good conscience to run for office. You know, it used to be just a campaign school for women, but now it it is, it, the inclusivity uh, is recognized in this name change, the campaign school at Yale. And so uh, I just, yeah, so that 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 is so appropriate that it comes on the heels of speaking to the lieutenant governor. You know, I just think that's, you know, there's stuff that we can do. We are not powerless citizens. We are not. There are tools at our disposal, and the right to vote. If I if I could impress upon you how important it is to vote, and if you understood all the dynamics that are used. And all the energy that are used to wrestle your vote from you, you would be hitting those polls in record numbers. And not just for presidential campaigns, for the for your local campaigns. Because I'm telling you, there are forces that are very real that are trying to keep you from your right to vote and using any and every means necessary to do that, including prison, including prison. So you don't got to take my word for it. Just fall down the rabbit hole. Just go down the rabbit hole of information 
about what all of this means and what all of this is. You don't got to take my word for it. You got to take my word for ish. You can follow the bouncing ball, and but be prepared. Because once you know the truth, babies, you cannot look away. You just can't. You can't. I know no one who knows the truth and can look away. Well, I do know people who know the truth and look away, but that's that's a horse of another color. So uh, so as I wait for Lieutenant Bicewitz to come on uh, and we talk about this, uh, you know, this, this, this nouveau freedom fighting justice league that they created. They're not pl- these people are not playing. They are out here. So I, I am, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to her. She can just, you know, tell me what, what this is about and, uh, and why it's so important. And uh, and and why Connecticut is is joined because you know we don't we don't codified ours into uh, into law so that means nobody can mess with it but you know anything can be anything done can be undone I say I know that for true so you know it, it, yeah it's in law but you know laws change all the time all the time all the time all the time laws change all the time so. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that's my my thing for the first minutes of the show. And then I picked up the uh, the uh, Angle Light, the Prison News Magazine, which I had no idea was such a thing, but I have it. I picked it up last night at the symposium. Uh, I'm gonna pour pour through it. Uh, and uh, I met some really interesting people last night. I met a guy who. Um, I met a man who served 28 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. And he became a jailhouse lawyer and freed himself. And now he's, uh, in about two weeks, he graduates from law school. Uh, and it was such a delight to talk to him and, and, uh, and you know, and, and get his pearls of wisdom about the uh, LSAT. <laughs> he's like, Baz, they ain't telling you to pass it. It's telling you to take it. <laughs> He's like, but the higher you do, the more money you get. <laughs> like, okay, sir. <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a I was step up my game to get good at this. Uh he's like, it's just that just let them break let it break you down on how you think. Okay. I'm doing that. I feel every bit of it. So um I'm gonna get his phone number before he goes. Uh, because he was just a lovely I mean, they're all lovely people to talk to. And they've served considerable amounts of time, you know. 25, 30 years uh, in in Angola, in Louisiana. I, I I can't even wrap my brain around that. I can't even, I don't even know. I don't even want to tell these men I served time. Because that really, really, I it, it does not, I, I can't even stand in that space. You know? So, anyway, it was, uh, it was something. And uh, I, I wish that uh, more people can uh, make it to the uh, the symposium because it is it is something. It is. It really is something, and I want people to go. So, uh, and yeah, it is something. So. Anyway, uh, let's see what's happening. Waiting for the good lieutenant governor to sign in. Um, 
But yeah, so when I when I finish up here this morning, I'll run over to the inner city, handle some stuff. Uh, I got some things to do today. Uh, I got some studying to do. Uh, I got homework to do. <laughs> ah, I got work to do. I got work, baby. I got a job, baby. Yes, a lot to do. And, and I have news, but I, I think I'll save my news for next week. I think I'll just save it for next week. Because, you know, save it for next week. Can't put, I, you know what? The day is already full. The day is full of information. So I'll just uh, save it for next week. It, it'll sit. It'll sit chill. And, uh, you know, yeah, it, that's what I know. That's what I know. That's what I know. Uh, so yeah, if you have opportunity though, um, facing life is uh, up on social media. I tried to share it as far and wide as I could. Uh, oh, and you know, we we spent some time. I took the I took them on a tour yesterday, a walking tour. Thank you to the African American Historical Society. Um, I had a brochure that I had and I uh, took them on a, on a slight walking tour because it was so cold, very cold yesterday. So we popped by, drove by places. Okay, here comes the, um, the good Lieutenant Governor, uh, Susan Bicewitz. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing her this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Haven't... Good. Seen, chatted with you. Nice to see you. Happy spring. I know. Happy spring. I see you out there doing doing some good fight work out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Every day. Every day. That's now, the thing about who, my job. Who, whose idea is it to convene 22 states and territories uh, and create a co coalition to protect repro reproductive freedom? I knew it was you. I knew you were the ringleader. <laughs> So I I was, but I will say that I here's how I got the idea, Babs. I saw that the governors had put together a coalition to do the same thing. And I thought, you know, there are while there are 12 female governors out of 50, there are many, many more um, female lieutenant governors. Okay, there are 15 Democrats, but there are also um, probably 10 Republicans. And I thought to myself, um, women, of course, have a big stake in this fight. And uh, also the lieutenant governors in my coalition are very diverse, um, Black, Hispanic. Um, and I thought we need to, to convene a group to fight this because we all have platforms and bully pulpits in our own state. Mm -hmm. to um to do this and i also thought that it would be uh very helpful to find out what other states are doing in the face of threats to women's reproductive freedom in the courts in state legislatures um so it is a way for us to share the best ideas for legislation best practices best administrative policies and so uh, I was able to gather 22 uh, lieutenant governors. Um, the governors got 20, so just saying. 
We, and so where are the rest of these people? Like, are they are they in opposition to this kind of coalition building? Yes. So I did <laughs> I did ask some Republicans and I got a, some very hard nose on that. Um, but I also asked some Democratic colleagues. And one was interesting in Kansas. Kansas, you remember, had a referendum on choice mm-hmm. and it won by 20 percent. Right. Because if you ask regular people, what do they think? Should we be um, taking away women's access to health care and abortion? The answer is overwhelmingly absolutely not. So I asked my colleague in Kansas who was saying that the referendum won by 20 percent, but he wouldn't sign on. So really? Yeah. Yeah. And also there are some an, an example of a Democrat who is pro-choice, a Governor Bashir in mm-hmm. Kentucky is pro-choice, but he and his Lieutenant Governor, Jacqueline Coleman, are in this razor-thin um, race for governor and Lieutenant Governor. They're up this year. Um, he will veto anything that comes to his desk, but he doesn't want to nationalize the issue. I just think it's important for all of us who are pro-choice to know what's happening because now it's the fight is at the state level. We're the firewall. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is very interesting. And I, I I didn't know all that background uh, story. Um, So, uh, so while you're out here talking to these, the 22 who are with you, (laughs) the 21 who are with you. um, So uh, how much in worlds do you think? Are are you, are y'all going to spend your, I mean, I know you're going to do best practices, but do you spend some time talking to the ones who didn't join you and sort of gently having conversations with them? Yes. And and maybe not so gently, but yes. (laughs) Yes. No, absolutely. Um, and here's the other thing that we've done already because we are getting prepared. There is a court case in Texas. Yes. It's looking at um, whether to take away FDA approval of the abortion medication that half the women who have abortions in our country take. Uh, more than 5 million women over the past 20 years have taken it safely. But this court is looking at possibly revoking the FDA's approval. So our group has already met with the National Planned Parenthood organization to say, what are we looking at? When is this happening? Um, what should we do? And so uh, we've already we've been talking about what we've already done, but we've also been looking at what are the other threats that are out there? Um, you know, the Democratic attorneys general have a group that has been filing lawsuits in various states. They've weighed in on this case in Texas. So it's just a matter of um, getting prepared, talking to one another and sharing sharing resources. So what do you make of all this? I mean, you know, did we ever think in our lifetime that this would come to this? Or did we always have it in the back of our minds that they would come for this? You know, um, this is one of those moments in our history where we are taking away 
long established rights, right? Um, this year would be the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, right? And, you know, we've not seen the reversal of fundamental rights like this, but we are seeing other attacks on women uh, across our country in the and in the Supreme Court and in the state legislatures, right? Um, more than 15 states have uh, banned or restricted abortion since the ruling that you raised since the Dobbs case. Uh, and states are also now trying to attack the LGBTQ plus mm. community. We see it in our state legislature. Senator Sampson has put in three bills um, that attack the rights of the of these this community. And um, you know, we see it in the voting rights arena too, right? States are taking action to try to restrict voting. So it is uh, very concerning. And that's why some of the states in our group, like Delaware, have actually passed a state constitutional amendment mm. to protect abortion rights. In our state, we have a statute that gets attacked every year. We have not yet passed a constitutional amendment. So, and in this environment, it makes you wonder whether uh, that's something that we should do because the Supreme Court has said, these decisions are gonna be up to the states. Um, but I worry that our Supreme Court is gonna continue to act and then we're gonna be in the courts again. So. You know, we we just have to state by state do what we can to protect people's rights. I, I saw the press conference. You were standing. You had some folks. Uh, I know you had the folks from Planned Parenthood. I'm yes. on the board of Planned Parenthood Southern New England. Um, and so uh, before, because I know you have a hard stop it, it, in a few minutes. Um, impress upon us, uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, how dire and how challenging this moment is and how important it is to sort of all hands on deck for this, for women's reproductive health. You know, uh, first I'll say that the most basic right that we as people, that we as women have is the right to decide what we do with our bodies, uh, when to have children, um, and now that is under attack. And at the same time, that really affects um, the economic security and future of girls and women. Because if you can't decide uh, when to be pregnant, then you, you have no power over your future. And that's why this is so dire. I mean, there's there's no more fundamental right than bodily autonomy and the right to decide what your future is. And you know, my 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 girls, uh, my my daughters uh, who are both um, in their late twenties, were just so devastated 
when they heard about this decision and they're pretty savvy, you know, they grew up in a household where people paid attention to current events and politics. But this was the first time they were both motivated to go to protests, to go out in the streets of New York City and say that they oppose this. And I think uh, it is particularly important uh, for those in vulnerable communities who have less choices, the fewer resources that you have, the more difficult it becomes to access healthcare. Um, and that's why, you know, the BIPOC community is at grave risk in our country right now. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I know you will keep us updated and I want you to come back and so you can spend more time so we can catch up on all the other things Thank you so much. I would love to do that. We'll make a time. Yes. Lovely uh, to see you with your cool glasses. And <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love your necklace. You look great. You always look great. Thank you. Well, great. I'm about to go to the Capitol to raise the first ever trans flag because it's Trans Visibility Day over our oh. Capitol. Isn't that cool? Yes, that is very cool. Boy, we have come a long way. Yes, we have. Yes, and we that's have. An, and that's another fight that that we have to have too about you know the rights of trans people and 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 how to you know allow them to have autonomy over who they are and who they wish to be. So exactly right, exactly right. Well, listen, happy Friday to you. Thanks, thanks everybody, and I appreciate you having me. All right, I'll see you soon, good Lieutenant Governor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Samantha Taylor. All right. So that's uh, Susan Ta- uh, Lieutenant Governor Susan Beiswitz. And uh, she, of course, she's the ringleader. <laughs> of course, of course, she is rallying the other states. That's what she does. Um, so I, I'm very happy to, uh, uh, to, to know her. And uh, she'll be back on because he likes coming on this show, which is really nice, which I'm very happy about. So I look forward to uh, seeing her and... Uh, talking more about what she's got on her plate. I follow her on Instagram. You t- she's like the James Brown of politics. <laughs> like Susan Beiswitz is like James Brown of lieutenant governors. She is always everywhere. Uh, I see her everywhere. Um, and, and, and her husband too. They, they, they just, they get around. They get around the state. Uh, we have no better representation, let me tell you. So, uh, so yeah, uh, women's right, a woman's right to choose is a woman's right to choose. And damn you if you don't, if you don't believe that. And you don't get to tell me what to do with my body. You don't get to tell me. I get to decide when I want to have children or not have children. I get to decide what's in my best interest. And that supersedes religious belief and cultural beliefs and whatever. I get to decide. And that's, and that's the message. I don't care what you think morally or not or whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I get to decide and I need the right to decide, you know, because we can't go back to women doing just desperate things, desperate things. We can't go back to that. No. And, and let me tell you something. Rich women will be able to do whatever the hell they want. Women of means will, this won't even affect. It, it is women who don't have means, who depend on a Planned Parenthood, who depend on uh, 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 Planned Parenthood to sort of provide these kinds of services. That, that's what that, you know, uh, uh, women of, of less means 
uh, a meager means have to have access. So, no, I, who are we kidding? <laughs> who who are we kidding? Women of means, I got to deal with this. But women of means are willing to fight and and to share their 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 resources and their blessings, uh, so that women who have less um, can uh, stand on equal footing for reproductive health. That's where we are, you know. So. When you are raising, when when we are raising money, when Planned Parenthood is raising money and asking rich people, listen, your money is going to support not y'all, women who have less, women who have less, women who have less. Oh, there you go. All I'm gonna say. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say to you. So, anyway, thank you for that, Lieutenant Governor Bicewitz. So, uh, it is Friday. What are you getting into? Friday. I think the weather looks good. I, I hear there might be some rain in the forecast, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But right now, it doesn't look terribly uh, overcast outside. I think it might be warmer than it was yesterday. Oh, there's that. Uh, so get into it, people. Let's see. Oh, my weather is not coming up. Okay. All right, weather. Be funky if you want to. Come on, weather, weather app. <laughs> I was trying to get some weather information. So uh, anyway, ah, it is Friday. So let me get back to uh, the visiting room project and the time that I spent with uh, some of the folks, men who uh, who are visiting us from uh, uh, mostly from Louisiana, uh, who spent. Oh my God, 25 upwards years in Angola in Louisiana. And you know, Angola prison sits on an old plantation and the prison itself literally sits where a plantation house uh, was. And uh, the the labor that men were doing was literally picking cotton and all the things that you, as a slave you would do on a plantation. And if that is not unconscionable, I don't, I don't understand what is uh we have a real problem in this country with prison and even though uh prison population is on decline uh i i feel like i feel like uh that tide will turn again uh, even though we know that prisons are a drain on state budgets, an absolute drain, absolute drain, and does not make good sense. Um, and we really need to reimagine how we dole out punishment in this country. Um, and really do a deep dive on all the racist implications of that um, and and it is such a heavy lift, you know, sitting in the room last night and watching the visiting room videos and just and then listening to the panel of uh of men uh, and the sociologists who started it, um just listening to them uh talk about you know, what this means or what this is, um, it it can feel overwhelming. 
Like you, you could walk away feeling like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> but there's this, this adage out there that says, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. Uh, there's a lot to pick apart. But, uh, but what I am most hopeful about in regards uh, to, to what I heard last night, what I am most hopeful is that uh, men and women of conscience, men and women of conscience can at any point step in and, and make a difference and disrupt any prison, any pipeline to prison that whether it be the school to prison pipeline, whether it be recidivism uh, pipeline to prison, may it be uh, not enough reentry services pipeline to prison, um, may it be uh, parole violation uh, pipeline to prison. There are many, 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 many uh, pipelines to prison. That we that we don't even discuss doesn't even get to the public stage. It's one of those if you know you know. Um, there's so many uh, pipelines to prison that don't see the that does not get. You know, we talk about the school to prison pipeline all the time. It's shocking, but there's so many other pipelines uh, that don't get addressed. And at any and at any point, people, men and women of good conscience, can disrupt, meaning that you can have some some inroads into dismantling these pipelines and uh, dismantling prison systems. You know, prison systems were designed not so much not to. solve the problem of crime, but to curtail movement of people of color and to and to make a real dent in that and to and and to shut down access to voting. It's these kinds of things. And and then people people don't like to think about these things because they cannot wrap their brains around where where they are now and the country that they live in. They just can't imagine that there are forces in place that are that are deliberate in their attempts to keep people uh, out of economic uh, uh, growth, out of voting, out of good schools, out of good neighborhoods. Like that is still real. That's not a 1950s left in the past thing. Redlining is still real. Access to capital for small businesses or businesses of color is still problematic. Uh, neighborhoods that don't see any reinvestment dollars, that is still very real. That's not 1950 or 1960 or 1970. That's 2023. This is still a problem. And we still have issues of housing. We still have issues of health care. We still have issues of education. We still have issues of, of economic development. We still have, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And until we get to the root of it, and I don't mean just like, oh, let's just have a conversation. I mean, putting things structurally in place to undo wrongs 
and moving forward don't have any more uh, of these outcomes. Ah, my people, my people. It makes me want to holler the way they do my life. <laughs> this ain't living. This ain't living. <laughs> makes me want to holler the way they do my life. This ain't living. This ain't living. So, uh, and and I and I think until you sit and listen to these men talk about, hear their stories. You know, they gone into prison when they were seventeen years old, twenty years old, twenty four. I mean, and then do twenty five, thirty, forty years, fifty years. Fine. It's just uh, unconscionable. Just unconscionable. And and until everyday citizens have to reckon with these outcomes on a, in a real way, until they make the correlation between uh, how people go to prison and who's in prison, until they're ready to reconcile that, uh, uh, it, it, it's not going to it's not going to register with them. We have to do better. And we can do better. Here, here's the thing. We have the tools to do better. We we have so many tools. So many tools. Better. So many tools to do better. Uh, and, and if there's not enough tools, guess what we can do? We can create tools. Uh, to, well, you know, I, I don't want to have any more um, I don't want to have any more conversations about what people think they're going to do as mayor in this town. Don't call me about a damn thing. I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. Show me better than you can tell me. I don't, I don't want to hear what you think. What are you doing? And if you come come and you don't got nobody at work to support what you think you want to do, step off. I, I just, I don't have no patience with Johnny come lately. I have no Patience for people who don't even know where all the schools are in this town. Hell, I don't know where all the schools are in this town, and this is my town. But I need the effort. So go do what you do. I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit disillusioned. I, now, I'm never going to not vote. So hear me. Let me make this very clear. I am never not going to vote. I don't give a damn if the choice is Godzilla and Megalon. I'm always going to vote. <laughs> I, too many people have lost their lives for this right. Too many people have laid down their lives. Too many people thought this was important. So I'm never going to be cavalier about the right to vote. Never, never, never. I don't give a damn if it's uh, whoever it is. I, I will make a choice. I will find a way to make a choice. I will find a way to make a choice because it's too important to me. And and you know, it's and I know it's a level of privilege and elitism to say, well, I I don't like these candidates. I don't like poverty. But guess what? I gotta I have I have a right to do something about it, right? I have a responsibility to do something about it. So that's what I'm gonna do. So I, I'm never gonna not vote. And believe me, you, there are moments where I'm like, I should just not vote. And I'm ashamed to even say that. I never want to say that. I never want to say that. 
Because then that says to me, when I say, when I hear people say that, when I say it, I know that that is a level of privilege that my ancestors did not have. That's that's a place of privilege that my ancestors did not have. And, and I ought to be ashamed for saying it. Honest to God, you should be ashamed for saying it. You should be ashamed to say, well, I, I don't like these candidates. I ain't like slavery. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't like these high-ass taxes, but guess what? Guess what? If you don't pay your tax, guess what happens? So, you know, think about this. So, listen, put, as, put aside your privilege, and everybody has some privilege. Put aside your privilege and think about, listen, you know. Now, just because I don't want to talk to candidates doesn't mean that I'm not interested in candidates. I'm I'm sitting from a perch and I'm looking and I'm paying attention. I, I don't have no advice. I, I don't have any advice. None. Unless you listen to my show, it's unsolicited. I got I got tons of unsolicited advice. You know, listen to the show. You'll know where I stand. You know where I stand. I it's unconscionable that we we still trying to we still trying to figure out how to teach children to read. I that makes no damn sense to me. I don't understand it. I don't give a damn. You can't make me understand it. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get why we're wrestling with this. I don't I don't understand why we are still wrestling with how to teach children to read when we know how to teach children to read. I I was sitting with a child the other day who I I know he was he learned sight reading. And if you if you don't sign out the word, how do you know the word? You're just guessing. We really want to raise up a generation of kids guessing at pictures. I think that's a cat. I think the cat is walking. The cat is walking. Okay. And uh, I asked him to read and I knew he couldn't read. And I was just like, and I didn't beat him up about it. I was like, oh, okay. You know, well, tell me what you see. You know, I, unconscionable to me. I, what are we doing? And and is this a problem just for black and brown children? I think so. I don't know. We have to do better. The future is not looking very bright, but the future is bright. The future is always bright, but it's bleak too. You know, we got some choices. Do we want a bright future or we want a bleak future? And there are some people who want a bleak future, who are doing everything in their power to make for a bleak future for all of us. Because a bright future just says too much promise of a different kind of world. Don't let anybody snatch that from us. Come on. Come on. There's a, be there's a better day. There's got to be a better day. I'm so hopeful. I remain hopeful. And my faith in humans is, though it wanes, <laughs> though it wanes, I am. Uh, I am forever hopeful. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. Through, I think I was born this way, through and through. I, I believe in the greater good of people. I believe in the higher valor of people. I believe that people given opportunity will make right choices. I guess. I believe in that, you know. And 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 when it doesn't happen, I'm I'm sad. And, 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 you know, this whole notion of don't expect anything. How, how do you not expect things? I expect goodness. 
I, I don't want to be without expectation of things. How is that? What? Then I know people have a very rational explanation for, well, if you don't expect things, you're not disappointed. Well, you know what? Disappoint, disappointment is a, is a real emotion. <laughs> and I dare say sometimes we should be disappointed. That way we can get up tomorrow and do better. I'm disappointed today, but you know what? Tomorrow, maybe I won't be. Maybe I'll maybe I won't be. It's all right to be disappointed. But you gotta, you gotta at least make the attempt. If we don't make if we don't ever get out the gate, how do we even know how far we'll go? If we don't get off the ground, how far, how do we know how high we could reach if we don't get off the ground? I expect all kinds of things. I expect people to treat me well, even when they don't treat me. And listen, listen, people sometimes don't treat me well. I still expect it. I know people say, oh, Babs, that's such a foolish thing. You know, if you just stop expecting people to be better than what they are, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I expect. <laughs> when I turn on my water, when I turn my faucet on, I expect water. <laughs> I expect it to be clean and drinkable. <laughs> right? That's, that's I expect that. If it doesn't happen, then guess what I got to do? I got to go and figure out why it's not happening. Same thing. The brother last night made a good analogy about, uh, and I, I love it. I wish I could just say it just quite the way he said it. He's like, you know, he talks about how we have to um, keep children out of prison. We have to keep children out of prison. He's like, you know, when 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 we when we see trees that are diseased or something wrong with the tree, we we create all kinds of studies to figure out what is wrong with that tree, and then we rescue that tree. Right? We we rescue the tree. <laughs> if we he used this other example, he's like, um, all the fish in the ocean go one way. If we if we're missing and they and they migrate to a place or they show up somewhere. If five fish don't show up, we want to know why. <laughs> and we'll put all kinds of resources around why these particular fish didn't show up. And then we remedy it. We remedy it. We we put money into studying it. We we put money into examining it. And then we put money into remedying the problem. That's how we have to do our children. We have to, you know, we, we, we stay in study mode, but the remedies, we, we seem to be at a loss for how to, we know, we know what children need. We, we know what children need. We know how to rescue children. We don't want to pay for rescuing children or for some children. We don't want to pay because at, at, at every turn, particularly in this city, if we want to stop gun violence, we know how to stop gun violence. We're just not ready to put the money toward, toward what that means. You know, remove remove the reasons why, you know, that kids are are, are feeling like they got to be in gangs. Well, you know, you join gangs because you are isolated and alienated in other places. You want a sense of belonging. So if we have a sense of belonging, then no need of a gang. It could be a club. Then they can put guns down. I know this sounds very simple. It is. It is, but we, but you have to be willing to put resources and money 
behind this. And resources and money will pay for people to, to be on the front lines. It'll pay for building of spaces, safe spaces for kids to be. It'll pay for tutoring. It'll pay for uh, uh, teacher salaries. It'll pay for teacher's assistance. Like it's it's all these things, right? It's all these things that we know makes sense. We know works. We know makes a, a huge impact, you know. So, and then, you know, I, and I hear you people like, well, they should get belonging from families. Well, yeah, that, okay. But if they don't, what is the community's responsibility? If they don't, what is the community's responsibility, right? What is the community's responsibility to take care of each other? That's our responsibility as humans. You know, I, I'm not asking you to like it. I'm asking you to sort of understand that we are all in this together. It is shared destiny. So if our kids go awry, guess what happens? <laughs> we, but we are willing to spend ridiculous amounts of money to warehouse them in prisons and not pour anything into them in these prisons because, well, it's punishment. We want them to come back into society but we don't want to give them the skill sets to come back into society. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? We're just creating a cycle of, of recidivism and, and bleakness. Bleak. I mean, we know how to do this. You can't tell me with all the intellectual capital that we have in this world, that we have in this city, that we cannot shut down gun violence, can't give children opportunities to do other things, that we don't have, that we are unwilling to allocate resources to, uh, to clean up and uplift communities, particularly communities that have historically been shut out of access and resources. You know that this is why this is why leadership is so critical. This is why municipal leadership is in, is important. Why who your mayor is, who your city council is, that's why it's important. This is why it's important because if you have somebody who has forward thinking mindset, who can lead uh, individuals toward thinking about what is in the best interest of the city not be petty and small and ridiculous. You know, that's what leadership is. And and everybody doesn't have leadership. And people can say whatever they want. You know, because I know, I, I already know people say, oh, oh, Babs, you made some mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. All right. I, let me tell you, let me tell you how I learned from them. You want that? <laughs> I can tell you how I learned from them. I can tell you that. You know, so don't don't come at me with you made some mistakes. All right, I ain't killed nobody. <laughs> people, people I know in my household still standing. I'm, what I'm telling you is what I know. You know, I know I know how to build community. I know how to build community. I know how to talk to people. Uh, I do. I've been talking to people all my life. You know, you can see what the problems are. I I don't need another study. We can see. Now you know we need access to resources. Pour some resources into these communities. Just pour, just pour resources in. Because there's people already doing the work. Allow them more money to do more work. 
There's resources. We just need more resources, you know, and, and without judgment, right? Just more resources. Yeah, I bet you, you could turn things around in two years. Two years, you know? You, you need like a dozen outlaws out. You need a dozen outlaws out there, you know? You need, you need a bunch of people out there. You need a bunch of leaps in, in every neighborhood. You need a, a bunch of boys and girls clubs. You need, a, you need a lot, you know? You need opportunities for dance and music everywhere, all the time. That'll make a difference. Then they could put guns down, you know. Then they could duke it out with a flute, right? Battle of the flutes, not battle of the guns, you know. We got to give them something else on their minds. And we're not doing that. We're failing them. We're failing them. And we look upon them with such disdain. So I'm going to take a break. I'll be back with uh, Patty Russo. My friend, Patty Russo. She's coming to talk about the campaign school. I wish I had a boa. Now I need to keep some boas at the house. So when she comes on, I'll just be ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to have her on. The campaign school is back and it's back in person. I think last year they they came back in person for real. This year they're back in person. And uh, listen, it's a, it's a good training ground. And, and uh, a lot of folks won this year. A lot of women who came to the campaign school won their elections this year, and I was very proud. And she's got a. Uh, uh, if you follow them on on in, on the uh, social media, you see them. You see all the all the women that have come through, and all the and it's Women's History Month, so so no better way to end the month. So I'll be back, y'all. Tune back in, y'all know what to do. Find find the link. Harry got you. I'll see you back. Fifteen. Hi, this is Babs Rawls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.